0: Ooh, this is AOK Radio, your go-to place for a little escape. Inner child, current child, adults, come on down for an easy listen. This is iEscape signing on, whoever and wherever you are, welcome. The escape begins right now. Up. This is AOK Radio signing on. And guess what? It's time to save the galaxy one more time. So here we are, ready to relive the legend that is Shepherd. Who is your Shepherd? What impact did they leave on the Galaxy? I would love to know. So if you would like to be featured on the next episode, feel free to send me an email at NickLuckNL. At gmail.com with the subject Mass Effect Legendary Edition, or message me on Instagram at i.escape.i. And like I said, I'll give you a shout out in the following episode because it is a booming community. And there's actually one on Facebook I follow that I would love to do a shout out in a future episode, just going over like some of the great questions and conversations that I've seen. And I'll mention one here. Uh, real quick, actually, before I dive into the meat of things. So let me pull it up real quick. Because you know I got to give my Andromeda love here and there. Um, so this one was by Chris Flowers. And the the group is just called Mass Effect. There's a couple, obviously. Um, but that's the one I follow. So he says, so is there any love for writer in this group? thought I'd go back to this again after completing the Shepherd trilogy. I mean it's not that bad, really, so it's good to see that you know he appreciates it at least a little bit um one thing I wanted to s- mention was the comment one of the comments I saw off of this, and the good thing about this group is that there's literally hundreds of comments or maybe not hundreds not everyone has hundreds, so dozens to a little over a hundred I would say pretty much proposed average. Um, so Alexander Leon Sip said I just wished people understood that this game is literally a breadcrumb to how incredibly dark Mass Effect 2 is. From finding out That the Salarians kept their prejudice towards the Krogan to a new galaxy. Finding out Project Overlord got sabotaged. Cerberus defectors quitting after Lazarus, or excuse me, quitting after finding out about Project Lazarus to the Geth discovering the Andromeda Galaxy and trying to send their entire network to it. Imagine a Geth slash Remnant hybrid. I actually would really love to see that. And it is really cool that we essentially found out about Andromeda, or at least had that in our mind because the geth were interested in it for some reason. Uh, The benefactor tried to be the new shadow broker, but was just a flash in the pan who made it out like a bandit. And he finishes it off saying, basically the Andromeda initiative started just when the Reaper attack on the Citadel ended, and went into ASAP emergency, leaving with the Normandy was destroyed. Oh wait, there's more. I, I forgot to scroll. <laughs> so, like, this game was so wild story-wise. If you overlooked the obnoxious plot holes and disrespectful cliffhangers, yeah, I agree with you there. Um, especially knowing that with the Quarians on an arc, there'd be at least 20 of them that smuggled a Geth on board. See, this is something that I talked about in a couple uh, previous uh, episodes on this podcast. Just talking about a number of different things that could have been established in DLC regarding the Andromeda game or even the sequel. And that was one thing I wanted to address. I think I talked about... I'm pretty sure I talked about it in depth, like what DLC... what would have been really cool to see. And then on top of that what they could have just added to the base game. But yeah, I mean, a lot of people tend to flack the main story of things but when you look at it as a whole like the the gears the, the tiny gears that move the bigger ones the, the the what's it called I guess the meat the the true meat of Andromeda is the side content not the not the main stuff and yeah I just thought it just needs some love because it's it, it's a good it's a good thing that they continued and they really, paid homage to a lot of really good storylines and, and they were understandably uh what's it called I guess understandably connected referenced what have you so yeah I'd like to talk about that more but that's for a Andromeda themed episode which obviously I'm going to return to a couple more times at least and especially since the sequel that's coming is not forgetting Andromeda too, so Oh, yeah. All right, so going back to things. um, Honestly, with the question like uh, talking about going back to the subject at hand, if you wanted to uh, send a message regarding, you know, what kind of shepherd you have, your favorite choices, the hardest choices, whatever you want to talk about. And honestly, I may even feature you as a guest if you want. So originally... I was meant to make this series, this deep dive of Mass Effect during, uh, Mass Effect, let's see, during, um, my first playthrough, uh, one through three. And, well, seeing how I'm now two-thirds through Mass Effect 2... I got so enthralled. (laughs) I forgot to plan the episodes out accordingly. So I'm going back to Mass Effect 1 and doing my female Shepard playthrough early. So I'm just gonna jump between the two, honestly. Uh, Just play two when I just wanna go through the game and just immerse myself. And unfortunately, I'm gonna be taking a lot of pauses here and there with uh, my female Shepard, at least this time, to take the appropriate notes so I can really do a appropriate deep dive, at least a, a comfortable a comfortable deep dive. Um, I don't think I'll be able to pay it as much respect as one of my favorite Mass Effect uh, podcasts, Reignite. But hey, I still would definitely want to give my thoughts on a lot of good spots here. So yeah it's i'm going to be doing the female i mean i already have i've i've gone through the first mission of my female shepherd and i'm going to recount the adventures as well as my uh, as well of my first playthrough with my male shepherd i'm going to go just talk about the main 2 as i go here and now i might say the launcher menu is beautiful and i can't stop I can't stop talking about it. I mean, even before that, with the Bioware opening showing some of the all-star cast and then ending with that close-up of the fully armored Shepard. Whoa, Chef's Kiss. I mentioned this obviously my first impressions too. I just I I got I gotta reference it again since this is the official episode one deep dive. And I should have mentioned that before that this is a deep dive thing for new listeners, but I think They'll get the gist by the uh, title. So, well, if I title it correctly, we'll see how that goes. Now, with that, I'm going to be really honest with you guys. I'm really nervous because of what I'm going to be saying here next. But we'll get to that in a second here. Um, let me see, because I'm going by some notes here. So, oh, yes. So going back to the, the launcher, so the launcher's pres- presentation is just really good. And I don't know if they've ever, I don't know if everyone noticed this, but if you, whenever you highlight each game, the reflection shows on Shepard's helmet in the left corner. I mean, that is a really good touch. They didn't have to do that, but of course, they did, and, oh, oh, dude, I respect them for it. Another chef's kiss., Mwah, there you go so i could see from the beginning of the menu that this game was going to look good from the first second i launched it and dude the gameplay trailers showed this obviously but of course it's different when experiencing it yourself and i mentioned this on my uh, original twitch streams how good everything looked it was very much like experiencing the game for the first time so without further ado let's jump in and slow Oh, excuse me. Let's show the universe that Shepard and his crew is a force to be reckoned with. I'm looking at you Reapers. I'm a coming. So starting off, I am tempted to see how the default new look for the female Shepard shows. But I decided to go with a different uh, route. But I do appreciate that they did make sure that the customiz- the customization through all three games is the same so before in the original the og copies each sequel got better customization you know better graphics of course but this time it's all rounded off the legendary edition the the original remaster i should say um had it was just and they didn't really add anything with the original remaster it was just as far as content goes it was just better graphics, but of course with the Legendary Edition, they tweaked a lot of things, they uh, normalized, unified a lot of different things, including the customization, making it more fluid, added some things from Andromeda, like some hairstyles, which was really cool, and being able to play as the female shepherd that they kind of normalized, I think, in Mass Effect 3, because 3 was when they Finally, started kind of showcasing the canoni- the canonized or cano- canonical, the canonical version of the female shepherd, like what she looks like. The canonical male shepherd, the the classic redhead, and um, they, of course, you were able to have a character that looked like that if you were to replay the originals. But of course, the the true version of her was like in three the. Or something like that. <laughs> I, I, probably, I probably didn't say that the best way I could, but I think you get the drift. And looking at the way they designed her for one and onward, I looked at them each time and I thought, cool. And eventually, I do. Eventually, I will be playing as the uh, canonical default shepherds. But for now, during my first couple playthroughs, I'm going to be doing the custom. Uh, made because i'm a sucker for that and i got to try and just create some customs because i've made some really good ones especially for my male i i did a little different than before usually i keep ending up with the same looking shepherd which is really annoying you know some differences here and there but i try to be really different with my female shepherds and um Fortunately, it is a little easier. I think, I mean, obviously, Female Shepherd has a bit more customization. So, I do wish the scarring was a little better, though. But Andromeda, with Andromeda, it was a little weird. Like the scarring, it looked like you had, it looked like someone took a waffle iron. The waffle iron just smacked you in the face. That's how some of the scarring designs looked. And I'm not asking for that. I just mean, I just wanted some more like vicious scars on your face, but. It's all. It's all right. You know, more noticeable, crazy looking scars, but I'm not really going to complain about that. All right. So as we said, I went for the female customization route and this female shepherd shall be known as Galia. Galia shepherd. Why? I picked a random name that sounded cool to me. So there you go. And I usually choose the name Corresponding with the character I romance so the first letter of their name corresponds to the character So if you didn't already guess I'm gonna romance garris um, Eventually, I'll do others too, but that's my usual go-to with, with the female uh, shepherd firsthand so profile reconstruction I chose earthborn it seemed to be the best origin for galia for her character i mean it's a boss move no crime no gangs for her survived with no parents made the military her family her home because nothing else out there was oh yeah she's ba so now technically colonist is also a fitting one, but it doesn't really matter a whole lot. I mean, it, it does affect your points in Paragon slash Renegade, depending on... It, it's kind of like a boost, depending on your route. And it's kind of the same, too, regarding whether you choose Soul survivor, war hero, or ruthless. Uh, although with that, it does also change your personal mission, too, depending on um, what you choose here. So for instance with my male shepherd with uh oh shoot what did i call him lincoln um with lincoln shepherd i chose war hero so because of that he got the he got the mission where he went up against the blitz it was it was a i forget what it's called i talked about it in my previous episode with the first impressions and the side mission and and, and stuff so i believe with what did I choose with her? I chose I chose Ruthless. I don't know what I get with Ruthless. Or is it... Actually... Oh, no, 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 no. The side mission is like Colonist, Spacer, and Earthborn. My bad. That's what it was. And then Soul Survivor, so, 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 her War Hero, and Ruthless. Ah, whatever. They're t- either way, it connects to one of them. So they they do change like what kind of missions you get and they affect your paragon and renegade points I'll just leave it at that I contradict myself a bit there <laughs> oh boy whatever alright so with this Galia is going to go down the ruthless path because she's a Sith and deals only in absolutes No, she's not that bad <laughs> um as far as class goes, this is gonna be a this was a tricky one for me, honestly. I'm at about 89% um, of the trophies for this game and I want to get them all by the end of this playthrough. So I only have a few um, uses, wait, actually, I only have a few of the uh, let's see, use this ability about 25 left and um, based on those choices, I actually went with Sentinel because the ones I had I have left. I can get them with the aura, and if I level up myself correctly, I can do the rest with what I have. Because, actually, technically, I get Singularity, I believe, so I can, I should be able to do them all. Or maybe not, either way, someone has Singularity, and I think even Kayton has it. So either way, I'm set. Although, surprisingly, I did not get the finish the codex in my first playthrough, and I did the I did f- stinking ninety five percent of that game, and I couldn't finish the rest because of glitches. So I don't know what I was missing. I'm gonna have to look that up. But tro- fortunately, the trophies are really easy this time around. So I probably missed like maybe one thing, and that's it. Ah right, well, we shall see. But. It's choosing Sentinel for me was very interesting because usually I go, I always go vanguard. So Sentinel, fortunately is a combination of both tech and biotics, which is something that honestly sounds really appealing, especially in one that I surprisingly kept overlooking because in one, you have a really with your with your electronics, if you don't have a character on your team, mainly like Tally, for instance, who, specializes i think tally and garris i think have the highest can potentially have the highest in electronics in that um in those skill points department if you don't have a high enough build for that you can miss a lot of booty (laughs) essentially you can miss a lot of different uh chests for lack of a better term to get different goodies because you have to hack into them to access a lot of it so i thought that was pretty uh Cool, but that's something you only have to deal with with one. I guess by the time two and three were out there, I'm like, eh, not a lot of people like this, so whatever. But I figured it'd be another nice little change of pace to make sure that one, um, this new playthrough, my female shepherd is going to be even more different than my male shepherd runs, and more than what I've done in the past, so. Uh, my bonus talent was tricky because this playthrough, I'm doing another first, doing an insanity run. And that was the thing I was talking about earlier that I was worried about. I am very scared. Uh, I decided to go for shotguns with the bonus talent because they're definitely the strongest weapon in the game um, from my perspective. Even, I guess, when it comes to my gameplay, my, my style of gameplay. And even though I'm pretty sure they did get nerfed with this remaster, they're still really really good um i forgot how i got them but at one point in my uh, with lincoln's playthrough i ended up with i believe either both or one of the other uh a geth assault rifle and a geth shotgun and those were just i only remember getting those maybe one or two other times beforehand if even but (laughs) yeah that was great it was really great oh i was having a ball so I definitely appreciate the custom updates with the character making. Making a new female shepherd I never was able to before. And I'm going to make sure that shortly after this episode comes up, I'm going to make sure to ha- add her thumbnail, a thumbnail of her, uh, to each episode of this um, podcast corresponding to Mass Effect. So you guys can see that, add a little bit more appreciation, and just... Just some specialness, some uniqueness to these episodes in particular. So I think that'd be really cool. Maybe add a a caption to a title to the thumbnail so it stands out even more too. Especially when people are looking it up. But all right. So with that, I'm probably going to regret this. I'm going to do my best to do Insanity. Hopefully I can make it through. Never done it before. So we start off on a ship that looks to be gazing out over Earth or at least an Earth-like world. Odina Anderson and Mr. I can only call when I need something debate on whether they want you on this next mission, going over your background just to make sure, you know, they get everything right. We cut to Shepard making her way to the cockpit of this awesome ship that we come to know as the Normandy. Uh Seth Gr- Joker <laughs> What's the difference? Is talking over comms about how the transport is going. We pull up to that mass relay, and man, that blue looks all the more glorious in these new graphics. One of my favorite new enhancements of this game. This part was probably a worrying moment for some people that created their shepherd because this and when they because of this, I should say, and when they see if they made A good living, a good living. I cannot talk. Wow. Let me back it up a little bit. That was, that was really messy. Um, So this part was definitely a very scary move. And I'm sure for a lot of people who created their own shepherd, because this was the defining moment when you find out if your shepherd is good or you messed up horribly. <laughs> Especially when they turn or like lift their head and it's like, whoa, where are your cheekbones? Or like, where's your chin or something? You mess up on something small and it's like, what? How did I miss that? <sighs> that wasn't the case here. My original shepherd, yeah, Lincoln had a mistake I, I rectified in in the in two, but it wasn't too bad, honestly. It was, it was kind of nitpicky. I think I messed up his cheekbones. They were a little pointy for some reason. It was really weird. So, here we are on our way to Eden Prime, a beautiful human co- earth colony. We get a chance to see how some of the characters interact with each other. With each other. Each other. Wow, Why was I saying that weird? Like, uh, Caden and Joker, for instance. Funny how we never see Caden in the cockpit again after this. I guess maybe due to losing Jenkins. Caden had to be more of a regular ground team, perhaps. I don't know, but I just that's something I never noticed before until the right there. Like that's the last time we ever see Caden there. Uh, he because he's sitting to the right of Joker, but after that, it's like no one. I don't believe anyone else ever sits there again. And then in two, I think there's only one seat in the cockpit, and then in three, you have Edie. So I don't know, but. It's, it's crazy. I, I notice something new every time I play this game. It's ridiculous. In a good way. So, what happens after this? Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Okay. So, after this, we get to talk to more crewmates like Navigator Presley, Dr. Chocwas, a.k.a. Dr. Chocolates. If you get that reference, you're awesome. If, re- if not, just, just ask me. Um, and Jenkins, a.k.a. Red Dude, I can't lie, my shepherd looks good. Best one, I can't I can't get over this. I can't emphasize it more. Best one I've made in the trilogy. So here, this is a good time to get to know these three because after this mission, there really isn't much more dialogue left with them for one reason or the other. Um, except with Dr. Chocolates, you can kind of talk to her a bit more, but they really don't have that much dialogue uh, after this. Uh, mission here, so the majority, probably about seventy percent, for her you get there, and after that you can talk to her a little bit more. um I believe for Presley, after that, I, th- I believe that's pretty much it. and You can, I think, maybe another ten percent after that. So, but they're nice additions. It, it makes, even though the, they're not as open, you don't have as much discussion with them as the other people on, as you are the crewmates, I should say. It still makes the ship more alive, more than just random NCPs walking around. It's good that you can interact with at least a few of them. But like every character, regardless, like I said, you, 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 whenever you talk to them, they all feel unique. You do notice a similarity, note, a similarity, though. There is a suspicion among many of them when you talk to them that we are not on a simple mission. Ooh, the plot thickens. Uh, by the way, talking to chocolates. I'm sorry. I'm gonna have to address her as Doctor Chocolates from now on. <laughs> I love that that uh, joke they did. And if you didn't guess by now, it's if you if you look up Mass Effect poop on on YouTube, and if you don't know what YouTube poop is, it's just really weird parody videos of video, YouTube videos. <laughs> but yeah. Um, So the plot thickens, and when you talk to Dr. Chocolates, a line that did not age well was what she said to Jenkins. She says, your real action usually ends with me patching up crew members in the infirmary. For those who know, oof. The oofs are off the charts. Also, sorry, Doc, but the weight is killing me. Oh, Jenkins, not yet, but soon. So very soon. Another quote I thought was interesting. Just like this, like every mission. Oh, wait, wait I said it wrong. Just treat it. Li- I am messing up like crazy this episode. That's really weird. So something that Shepard says after this, if you choose the right dialogue option, she says, just treat this like every uh, like every assignment and everything will work out. Oh man, every line makes it worse. No, what makes it worse is honestly there are plenty more, but you, you get the drift. So we get a chance to talk to our first alien as well. Like we we got a glimpse of him at the beginning in the same area, um, at, well in the cockpit with Caden and, and uh, I keep I was I wanted to say I just want to say Seth Green, but it's it's Joker. <laughs> Um, it's, I think here, it was a great introduction to not just that, but how humans fit into this, uh, this new universe to the player, you know, lore well-handed, at at least from the player's point of view, but you know, uh, metagaming, it's like, shouldn't our character already know some of these things he's asking, but you know, like I said, new player, it's that, as far as that goes, I think it's handing well. And with that, this is when we get confirmation that this is far from a standard mission. We are dealing with alien artifacts, and we all know how well that goes. Crazy stuff. A lot of people are gonna die. <clears throat> Jenkins. Yeah. So Joker showing us that this there's a we get a tr- we got a transmission as we're approaching Eden Prime, and it's not looking good. Ashley's team, as we come to find out, you know Ashley. She's getting, her team is getting bodied. And if you got to read the comics and then playing this game or even, you know, reading the comics at a later point like I did. Just reading them this year when the whole comic collection was released as one volume. And um, coming back to the game, like I said, you really, really makes you feel more for what happened. Because they show background stories for pretty much all your teammates and other players in the Mass Effect uh, lore of things, from characters to Cerberus later on, to the Elusive Man in general, to even, um, there's even some story, well, actually, involving both him and also, like, Saren, for instance, so it's really cool. And uh, let's see, let's see, where did I leave off at? Um, And the close-up, the close-up of the Reaper by the way, Sovereign, it just, even though in this video, it makes him look like a huge robot tarantula, as a renegade, I might add, you can show some nasty Turian hatred dialogue towards Nihilus here as well, which doesn't help the whole, you know, robotic tarantula bodying everybody, but I I feel that it is pretty fitting though, mainly due to the history humans and Turians have, that that's one renegade move i kind of opt out of though i mean i feel like even if even if i was cuz i'm i'm playing as a shepherd that i can relate to so i don't feel like even the shepherd that i'm playing as would feel that way towards torin she would understand that it it's kind of like oh, who's the one that said it there's a character that i believe you talk to either in one no i think it's um crap. I really don't remember. Oh, I think it's Caden. I think it's Caden. I could be wrong. But there's a character you talk to where he says dude, it was one, it was just one instance with a Turian. If I felt like that, if I based his actions and blamed the whole race for it, I might as well do the same for humans because we've done some pretty crappy things too. That's a butchering of what he said, but Shoot, that might might have been a quote from three, honestly. That might have been something. um, Maybe Jacob? No, it's either Caden, Jacob, or James. I believe one of those three was was the one who said it. And, of course, that's spread out through all three games. But, eh, whatever. Uh, Landing on Eden Prime. I can't begin to express how nervous I am playing this on on this difficulty. (laughs) And even, even though regardless I'm still able to appreciate how delicious one looks now and that I'm really glad mass uh Mass effect the, the the bioware creators I should say uh showed those before and after videos of what the games looked originally compared to how they are now and just seeing the embers from the destruction flowing falling to the ground or uh, petals from the trees I believe they're mostly embers and just the reflections in the water and just the new color textures the new lighting it's just oh man I really going back to that too I don't really like how dark Mass Effect 2 still feels but I get it because Mass Effect 2's are so dark in a lot of areas because that's the theme 2 is definitely a much darker game um, but either way so It's just so good. I I I had to keep stopping and just looking. Of course, I did this originally too, but taking another breath, going from playing two to going back to one, I I noticed that one. I mean, obviously, one got the bigger facelift because one had the most that needed (laughs) a facelift. Two and three didn't really need that much, but yeah. And Bioware even said that themselves, like they you know one got the most treatment but of course as we're uh exploring this this eaten of sorts the unspeakable happens the unbelievable happens those gath drones fight dirty man they ain't slick too i, I saw one of the very first shots was that poor Jenkins' crotch? Like, go back and watch that cutscene of Jenkins getting body, being the first to get out into the battlefield, and just gets shot. Just turned to Swiss cheese. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. That was just, that was just messed up. His shields. Do, are there any shields out there then that, that, that could have saved him? Probably, but he didn't have it for some reason. We mourn for roughly about five seconds and, and then move on. Normally I say we should bury them when we, you know, get a chance. But this time I just went for the the neutral that, you know, soldiers die. We have an important mission to go on. The other one, I, at the very bottom, I'm like, no, nah, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be a hundred percent renegade this playthrough. I just, nah, that's not, that's not this shepherd. Um, so, having the Sentinel class definitely makes me more confident since I have more moves to fight off the Geth, and since the Geth are the major force that we fight in this game, oh yeah, I definitely recommend Sentinel. Um, so, cause you get, like, the first, I forget what move it is, it's, I think you get Overload as one of your first moves, and, dude, it's an instant kill. (laughs) Every time you hit a Geth, boof! And I believe Caden has it too. So yeah. <laughs> I'm loving it. Um and at this point I came close a couple times to death, but fortunately I didn't yet. Um but yeah, my shields and health were like dipped. Like it was just oof. But this was a nice introduction with Ashley. You know, already she's taken hits better than our uh, last squad mate. And uh, on top of that, she takes them out right after. After a nice, like, fallback kind of slide move. Well, Ashley, looks like you are... <laughs> well, it looks like you lost one team, but you gained another. You're hired. Welcome aboard. Um, I didn't really... I didn't really act aggressive to her here, but I did kind of, like, say, hey what happened in your life, spit it out, you know, I don't really have much time to really talk to you at the moment, but it's crazy how certain things vary from culture to culture, you know, I, I gotta appreciate some of the Culture of the Geth, you know, we get to witness an extreme form of geth acupuncture. And no, they're they're killing those poor people. That, that's that is not how you fix back pain. I'm sorry. That's not how it may work for you, Geth, but it does not work for humans. Our our backs are very fragile. We getting skewered like that is not, not beneficial, not for us. <laughs> so oh that's dark. We soon find out that geth acupuncture was a actually and was truly a conversion process turning its victims into husks you know at first we're like what why did he just do that and then as we progress further down this bloody destruction um well i guess this deathly destruction i should say or just chaos something along those lines we find out oh these other people who are further Along the process. Yeah. So. And they. We actually get have to fight them. And it's just like. Whoa. These guys are really creepy. Really disturbing. And coming from someone who played Mass Effect 3 first. It's cool to see how many things started with one. How many things that carried over into 3. And fortunately. We do have at least a few survivors here. From the very punchable Dr. Manuel, or Man- Manuel, was it? Who was losing his Skittles, my term for being bad crazy. Is it wrong, no matter what, I always punch him, whether I'm Paragon or Renegade? <laughs> I feel like, I, I honestly feel like he was one toe stub from killing everyone left. I, I really feel like th- he was just one more bad instance from doing that, just snapping. Like it, it was just inevitable at that point. So, Dr. Warren, his colleague, says, after I punch him, you can't just go around whacking people in the head. And I I really wish there was an option where I could just say, you know I have another good punching hand ready and willing. (laughs) But, you know, being able to assure her that this was the better thing so he could just rest and not go crazier was still a good alternative, so I'll settle for that. Also, I do wish Insanity Mode gave you some sweet, things earlier on like how kingdom hearts does on critical mode you know just some extra bonus powers up front but uh well i mean i guess that would kind of defeat the purpose of insanity mode um so nihilus our our, our, our comrade our our first alien introduction into the series you know he he had a good introduction a very soft very very smooth introduction nothing too crazy he, he was just there and he slowly just explains to you about things. You know, he seems like a really nice guy, really cool. You know, you, you feel like this guy, I could fight alongside. I can't wait for him to be on my team. You know, he's gonna scout ahead, he's gonna do his thing. I'm gonna convince him and he's gonna be the t- he's gonna be the boy. He's gonna be on on our team. And we're just gonna just screw through this game, no problem. And then I've then we've run into Saren. And Nihilus, or he runs into Saren first, unfortunately, for him. And Nihilus, in our parting words, I appreciate you. I appreciate you for not judging a book by its cover. But when that cover is of Saren, judge it. That boy is an antagonist. You can tell just by looking at him. Bad guy 101. Now you got a hole in the back of your head that not even a Spongebob Band-Aid can cure. I mean, maybe Metagel, but it, it, we kind of didn't get there in time. But SpongeBob Band-Aid would have done wonders. Always keep one on you. So, also speaking to more of the survivors uh, before this, there's like a little. I think there, yeah, there's only like I think three groups of survivors you can talk to. Um, the doctors. Then there's one right before. Um, there's one right before Nihilus. And then there's the guy who saw the murder of Nihilus. And that's it. And one thing I thought was really interesting is... Among them all, hearing their ordeals was interesting. Because hearing their point of view, while that chilling ambience playing in the background is just... So, for instance, with Cole, among the second group of survivors, is one of the first, if not the first, I believe, to foreshadow the effects of indoctrination... Of being around the Reapers and how it feels. It, it makes me wonder if those guys ended up that way eventually. Because I know it varies per person. But I don't know if... I, I guess you probably have to have more prolonged exposure. Otherwise, um, that one Asari we run into. That was at Saren's base on Vermeer. Then you would meet her again um, when you pick up Grunt who eventually succumbs in three and has to be killed because she was indoctrinated. So I guess someone like her would end up that way because she was more prolonged, but I don't know. Like I said, I think it varies, but I, I know there's a codec entry that probably explains it a bit more. Yeah. Well, and, yeah, I I know it just, oof, bummed we lost Nihilus, like I said, but it was a good way to establish the kind of person Saren was up front, I mean, like I said before, he just, you could, you could tell he was either going to be an anti-villain or anti-hero, he was anti-something that wasn't beneficial, probably, or a villain, at at the very least, or at the worst case scenario, I should say, a villain. But yeah, the plot continues to thicken, It's it's like hummus. It's, it's just really thick right now. Um, so seeing Sovereign depart, especially with these remastered graphics, gave me goosebumps. You really get to see all the... I meant, I meant to say this earlier about Sovereign departing, but just seeing the way the ship looks and... Oh, man. Yeah, it's it, just seeing the scale of how big this ship is. Like it's seriously the biggest ship, uh, aside from the Citadel. Well, well, actually, is the Citadel a ship? No, it's technically more like a more like a space station. Cause it, it, I mean, the Citadel can move. We found that out in three that it, when it transported itself to Earth, but. I guess, no, because it's, I guess it'd be too big to be catalog- categorized as a as a ship. It's a space station at that point. Because in Mass Effect, the, yeah, because after a certain, after a certain size and, like, the functionality of it all, yeah, that makes sense because the Citadel is really meant to be just holed up in one space. It's not really meant to travel, per se, where a ship like the Normandy or the, um, ship that has the council, I forget what it's called or even the Reapers, you know, those are ships because they're meant to move not really meant to stay in a single place for long periods of time and house like a buttload of people well, excluding the council ship, but whatever alright, so (laughs) yeah it's it always gives me goosebumps seeing that ship depart and such a menacingly looking ship for it looks like a cuttlefish. I mean, w- would you cuddle that ship? Would you cuddle it? Would you cuddle a Leviathan? If you were, like, the same size? Maybe? I wouldn't. That, that too many legs. That's just... Whew, gives me creepy crawly vibes. So Saren instructs the Geth to set charges to blow up all the evidence. I always get nervous when there are timed missions. So far, I haven't been having too much trouble. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention, with the third guy who, you know, took a a nap behind the um, shipments, I pretty much went, I, I was totally renegade on him. Now, I feel like I don't know what his life is outside of the whole shipment thing, so I can't really, I feel like I couldn't have really judged, but I mean... If he took a nap because you know he might have narcolepsy, who knows, um yeah, I don't know it just I feel like it was kind of undeserving to go ham on him, but I mean it's not like he went to nap or went to hide like that and refused to help anybody. He was literally asleep, and when he woke up, it's like, oh chaos, I, I can't really do anything, but it's whatever um, so with this, fortunately, um. I never really had too much trouble with this mission, and even now, uh, I haven't been having too much trouble at all on this uh, mission, except a couple close calls at the beginning, but even then, that wasn't too hard, you know, I just have to be more reliant on the cover and move around occasionally for those uh, enemies that want to rush you, But, mm. but I know for sure a few certain missions in particular will be problematic. Um, I know for certain, um, the Thorian mission, I know that's going to be crazy, because there's not really anywhere you can take cover, and the Asari on that mission is brutal. Uh, the Krogan, when you go to save Liara, I know is going to be tricky, because you know, you're know you surrounded by Geth and all that, but like I said, this is only because of insanity mode that I think this is going to be crazy, because there is... Cover, yes, but you have to really rely on running around a lot. And even if you use the powers, I'll just I'll just have to be more, more reliant on the powers, but I, I usually am anyway. So I know that's going to be tricky. Novaria, when you go up against Lady Benezia. And then... I don't feel like Vermaer will be really tricky. We'll see. I guess it kind of depends on how... The Mako will take damage. I have no idea. So, definitely making sure to max out Barrier this playthrough. (laughs) I haven't really used Barrier too much before, but I think I used it more in three. But one, I'm definitely going to make sure you use that a lot. And surprisingly, not even my teammates died on this mission. Which is weird, because usually even on normal difficulty, one of them dies to a random Geth Rocket or something. But uh, I double-checked my difficulty just to make sure I did choose Insanity and stayed on it. And yeah, throughout this whole ordeal, I was on Insanity, and I was very surprised how manageable it was. Uh, So seeing the beacon at this point, I'm reminded of a large stick of gum for some reason. I mean, in it's wrapper still, of course. Inspecting it further, Caden gets pulled in by this strange force the beacon is emanating, and... It looks like it's kind of like what happened with Saren. He kind of had this motion where he got lifted up um, prior to uh, the Geth setting the bombs before we got there. And left after receiving whatever information he got. And it it makes me wonder, like, did he get the same exact vision? Or was he able to understand more of it um, than I did at first? Because, of course, he had to go get more outside help and as we follow his trail we find that out um but i wonder if the vision was how much was it was it the same that he, was it the same amount he saw or did he see a little bit more a little bit less i guess it doesn't really matter but it's just something i was very curious about but something here too is depending on what uh, gender whatever like depending on what uh, gender you choose for a shepherd whether you are the male shepherd or female shepherd it will be um, the opposite one that will be pulled into the beacon. So if you choose, so I chose, you know, for my, for Galia, it was Caton. For Lincoln, it was Ashley. And it's weird. Like, what kind of force is this beacon emanating that is able to just pull you in forcefully like that? Like, wh- wh- where's, where's the, <laughs> where's the con- consultation? No, that's not the right word. Consolation? No. Uh... Wow, I ruined the joke because I couldn't think of the word in time. Like it, it just it didn't even ask me, but it's just forcing me pulling me in, man. I know I'm close to the word, but uh well. So fortunately Shepard notices in time he jumps uh, he jumps to him and pulls him out, but of course we end up taking his place. And uh we find out the hard way what it's like to chew five gum. I mean come on, it's emanating this green this green energy. It just I how how can I not make that reference? So I mean anyone remember those commercials? I mean they were pretty crazy and they were very fun to watch too. So that's why every time I see the beacon and when we interact with it, I always think about that. I just hear that guy. What it feels like to chew five gum. So anyway, we see these intense images from the beacon we're definitely they were definitely definitely not pleasant. The beacon explodes. Um, I guess it was damaged randomly at some point, And Shepard is just knocked out cold. Um, our crewmate calls in the Normandy for pickup. And when Saren finds out later on after they depart, um, finding out from Benezia that the beacon was destroyed, the colony was saved, and as she said, one of the humans may have used it. How does she know all this by the way? Weren't all the geth destroyed? I don't I don't I just realized that. Is that a cinema sins right there? Or technically a gaming sins? I don't Yeah, that'd be a gaming sense, but how does she know all this? They were like long gone. Unless they're unless they have cameras or some kind of Or maybe they have some geth probes that we didn't hit. Who knows? So Yeah. I really thought Saren was gonna kiss Benezia there. I mean I think she wanted to. I mean, she was all calm through his old little t- tantrum, and he, he comes all close, hands on his on her face. I practically yelled out, "Kiss the girl!" in my best Sebastian voice. I mean, dude, you just missed an opportunity. Why wouldn't you? I mean, she's right there. She's she's working with you. I mean, not not intentionally. I mean, she was trying to sabotage you, but it, you know, didn't work out in her favor, unfortunately. But, yeah, so overall, it was a pretty fun mission. I really enjoyed going through that, and it, it never gets old to me, which is really good, especially after all the times I've played it. Um, So after this, we wake up back on the Normandy. Um, Dr. Chocolates uh, kind of briefs you on what your condition is. You know, you're in good condition, but you had some really crazy um, R- What is it? REM, rapid eye movement, kind of like what's associated with intense dreaming. And you get to talk about, oh, yeah, it was more like a nightmare or I feel like (laughs) uh, I feel like the night after uh, shore leave or things like that. And here you can actually get a a chance to be more renegade where you can blame uh, Caden or Ashley, whichever role you're playing. Um, that they were careless, or you can say, "Hey, it's okay." I mean, how how would you how would you have known that the beacon would have done that? And they get this little smile where it's like, "Oh, potential love interest, maybe." <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny, but um, yeah. So it's interesting in Mass Effect One. Your only love interests actually, for either Shepard, your only love interests um, differ. With just it being either Ashley or Caden, as far as like the possible Verma survivors, or you can choose Liara. Um, so, female shepherd can only choose uh, Liara or Caden, while the male shepherd can only choose Ashley or Liara. So, I mean, at least you got some choices. And then, of course, in two and three, it gets uh, more grand. So. It's kind of cool. I appreciate that more, but man, I really wish Garrus was romanceable in this game. But I I, I have an interesting kind of story that I'm going to do um, for this game because I I have to go I have to go each game with romancing somebody. So since, since Garrus isn't romanceable, I'm going to have this canon story, this this head canon going where, you know, she romances Kaden, it doesn't really work out because of the whole dismissal in Mass Effect 2, and of course she ends up falling for Garrus, so, there you go. Probably shouldn't have spoiled that, but I mean, the game is how many years old now? (laughs) It doesn't really matter. Um, Unless you're listening to this for the first time, and if you are, sorry, but uh, hey, it's a good game and you should play it regardless. (laughs) There's so much to enjoy, but, I hope you enjoyed this first episode. Um, I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to fully explore more of that little part there. I guess I could just finish it off by just saying you talk to Anderson and you kind of make a game plan of we got to talk to the council about this because obviously Saren has gone rogue. We find out more uh, history with Anderson that he knows who Saren is. And if you re- if you read the book like I did, it's like yeah, they got some, who they got some interesting history, and Saren has some good story um, after that too. That you can read in the comics, so I appreciate that. Not a lot of story in the comics and even in the book, but it's enough to feel more attached to the character. Even though he is still a ruthless character, but you, you feel you sympathize with him more. I feel. But anyway, um, yeah. You, you, at this point, I'm kind of like dismissal of the council because I'm just like, eh, they're not gonna believe this. I mean, I, ha- I had some kind of weird vision from the beacon. Uh, from their point of view, they're already like, they're already gonna be like, yeah, the mission got screwed up, and I don't really have any evidence on my end that um, I got sabotage. But whatever, we still got to report to them, so. Let's just head off to the Citadel and figure out what we we can do to bring Saren to justice. And yeah, (laughs) I'm kind of torn on what I want to do completely with the council, but I have some interesting things that I'll keep in mind for the next episode. But uh, I think for each episode following my goal for this deep dive of Mass Effect is it's going to be, I guess, a semi deep dive uh, I'll be honest Um, I'm going to only do I'm 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 just going to talk about the main story missions of Mass Effect 1 because I don't want to spend a super long time on one because that's going to involve a lot of writing and stuff and I feel like with the side missions I talked about them enough on my previous episode with Mass Effect and with the main story missions regarding this one um to Liara's mission. Um all the, the all the main stuff on the Citadel going to um what is it called? Pharos? Yeah. To Pharos, Noveria, Ilos, and Did I say Verma already? But yeah, just dealing with those main stories. Um, we can probably knock out the this series of Mass Effect 1 at least in probably like six seven episodes and go from there because I don't feel like I need to talk about it any more than that um even though I do love talking about the game let's be fair but yeah I don't want to oversaturate this series but just to keep you all on mind my game plan of this and I don't know how I'm going to handle two and three just yet because those are obviously much more beefier games, but I'll probably go the same route where I deal mainly with just the main bulk of the missions and then deal, you know, have separate dedicated episodes to the side content and go from there. But as I was saying before, too, if you guys want any other things you would like me to talk about, whether it's regarding codex entries or just anything on the side like that uh feel free to send me a message or just send it in your review like if you're listening to this on apple podcast feel free to mention that in your review um after that five star rating of course and i i would love to do that so yeah there we go um i believe that's all i wanted to talk about but also, I wanted to do all, uh, finish this off with apologizing that the last couple episodes were not on their Sunday release date. Um, hopefully, the next couple ones will get back to that, if not sooner. Because I do plan on recording another episode tomorrow, um, a separate thing. But yeah, I'm going to try and just record a couple a little bit more often um, and just have more stuff ready to upload. But there we go. So. I hope you enjoyed this episode and until the wind hits our sails yet again I will see you in the next escape and until then this is AOK radio signing off This is the end of side 1 of this record please now turn it over for the second side Ooh another chapter concludes If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to help support it by leaving a rating if possible, subscribing, and sharing the podcast with others. That way more people can see it, whether it's either from you or in their suggestion feed. And if you leave a review on the show, you'll get a shout out in the next episode. But due to my podcasts being available not just on multiple platforms, but multiple countries to ensure I see a rating, Uh, either send me an email with the subject AOK Radio or messaging me on Instagram, which is i.escape.i. So my social medias, my other social medias, I should say, and other projects like I Believe in Monsters, my short story narrations, and more are linked in the show notes below. And feel free to message me with any suggestions for future episodes. And if you ever want to be featured on one as well to talk about whatever subject, Hit me up there as well. Special shout-out for Emac for uh, producing the beat, Always Love You. That is used as my outro and the song featured in my EP Canvas District. The intro song used is titled The Unstoppables, produced by me. A link to all those is also in the show notes. This is AOK Radio, signing off. There is always more to seek, so... Go forth and seek it.